Hi, this is Marcus Golden, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Sets up, gets hit by Golden. The ball is coughed up. Golden picks it up. You can hear him chirping the entire practice, and if he sees somebody that's not bringing the same intensity to a drill, he'll let him know. Playing with a bunch of dogs, man, a bunch of tough guys that just love football. I'm looking forward to bringing that dog mentality back. Guys flying around, making plays. His nickname is Junk. It's Junk, you're a dog, I guess. Marcus Golden back. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals now. Wolf, when are we getting Marcus Golden back? I don't know. That was honestly, I'm I'm concerned about that too. I am at this. What is going on? Yeah, because I. You can't sell me it's a toe injury anymore. You really, you can't. That one day he has a toe injury, and that one day is like five weeks ago, and we just don't see him again, and all of a sudden, magically, that toe is going to be better right before the game on Sunday, but it's not better yet. Like, So it sure looks like some sort of hold-in situation to me. And if that's the case, like, wouldn't now be a good time to get that resolved? Yeah, I mean, there's so many guys, so many good football players that the Arizona Cardinals need to play on Sunday in order to have a chance, I think, at pulling an upset against the Kansas City Chiefs. Guys like Rodney Hudson, huh? right? Rodney Hudson, oh my goodness, is Rodney Hudson going to play? Somebody, somebody please tell me that Rodney Hudson is going to play. <laughs> not, I'm not trying to attack Sean Harlow at all. You're playing the Chiefs. I, you want to be close to full strength. You want to be up to par, man. You want to be up to full strength, period. Um, you know, Rodney Hudson, it's not only Rodney Hudson against a Chris Jones who will line up in that A-gap. Trust me on that. Chris Jones, the best defensive lineman the Kansas City Chiefs have, and a guy that rushes the passer very well from the interior of that defensive line. He's going to line up and he's going to bring it. And Rodney Hudson, to me, is a guy that has a better chance of hanging in there. Um, no offense to Sean Harlow. But then also, too, listen, Basin Onions, if the Arizona Cardinals are going to win this game, they've got to be able to run the ball. We haven't really talked a lot about that. I was going to wait till uh, tomorrow. It's a game plan day, an offensive game plan day. But they've got to run the ball, man. If they can't run the ball, they're going to be in trouble. They can't get one-dimensional against the Kansas City Chiefs. They can't, man. they got to score with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's got to be a shootout, but and I think it will be a shootout. I mean, if you think back to when we did this show a year ago, going into the game against Tennessee, would you not say the running game was much more of a question oh, mark at that point for yes, the Cardinals than it yes, is now? Yes. Now, now? Now we're trying to figure out how you how you – You've kept five, and you can only dress three or four on Sunday. Whereas a year ago at this time, if you think about it, it was like, we don't know what James Conner is. I think you and I were both pretty high on him. I think I think as we got through preseason, more and more people were higher on James Conner, especially when they realized he's not 34. He was like 25, 26. Uh, yeah. But he hadn't played a game for the Cardinals yet, and then you just had Chase Edmonds behind him. I don't know how many people thought James Conner was going to be the 80th-ranked player in the National Football League, according to NFL.com. That's probably true. Right? I mean, yeah. think about it. This guy was fantastic in all in all uh, downs. First, second, third down, all situations. He was fantastic in that. Um, the 
Cardinals need to run the ball, man. They need the Kansas City Chiefs over on the sideline offensively. Stick them over on the bench. They need it. I I know it's an antiquated idea to possess the ball. But all I know is this. If you can shorten their amount of possessions in a game, you have a better chance of keeping their score down. You do. If if they get a lot of possessions, their score's going up, man. You can almost bank yeah. on thirty points. Look, you gotta be real about the situation you're in. You know, you, you are thin at corner and you're facing the Chiefs. You don't want Patrick Mahomes on the field all day because that's not a recipe to win. No. <laughs> you can't just go out there isn't. and be like, well, we're better because we want to be. That's great. You'll lose the game. You need to be smart about it. You've got weapons that can score too, but the less Patrick Mahomes is on the field picking apart your thin cornerback room, the better. Yes, and not only that too, though, but go back to this offense when it was balanced. I know we've talked about it an awful lot. We've talked about it all offseason, so we could talk about this this week. The fact that they were so balanced through the first 10 to 12 weeks of the season and their record showed it and their offense looked like it. Man, they got to get back to that. They have to get back to that kind of mentality and that kind of physicality and that kind of balance because they looked great. Kyler was flourishing under those conditions. They got to do it again, Luke. And it's got to start on Sunday. Well, the biggest question mark going into Sunday is the fact that there are this many questionable tags next to players on the Cardinals roster. Now, the official injury report doesn't come out until tomorrow. We are going to have Cliff on in about a half hour. I'm guessing he's not going to give us much more than he gave the media yesterday in terms of these. But again, here's the names. Set aside DeAndre Hopkins, who you already know isn't going to play. These are players on the Cardinals roster with a question mark, or some of them have IR next to their name, like Antoine Wesley. Uh, you got Rondale Moore, Zach Ertz, Rodney Hudson, Marquise Hayes, obviously on IR, Max Williams, Antoine Wesley, Jonathan Ward, J.J. Watt, Marcus Golden, Antonio Hamilton. Like, these aren't just guys that, oh, yeah, their depth, they're going to be real thin. No, these are starters. I just read off five of your starters, five of your 11 starters in addition to DeAndre Hopkins that are questionable right now. Brother. Oh, my goodness. He didn't play anybody in the preseason. The payoff was supposed (laughs) to be 100% health. Honestly, it just seems weird to anyone else. Okay, maybe it's maybe it's a little gamesmanship that is going on right now. Maybe it's hey, your toe is is kind of hurting, isn't it, Marcus Golden? It's kind of hurting you right now. Okay, maybe Marcus was a bad example. Yeah, that one just because made you me know sad. what? Honestly, that just might be the fact he wants to get paid. Maybe JJ Watt. You know, maybe Justin Pugh. Justin, that stinger. It's the stinger that you know. Again, I'm not trying to make fun of it. For all I know, he doesn't have anything um, next to his name. He doesn't have anything now. Oh. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's great. Well, he's over the stinger. We can imagine right there. Okay. Maybe he's going to be ready to go. Zach Ertz. Maybe Zach Ertz is going to be ready to go. There's some doubt as to that one. I think there truly is some doubt as to whether or not Zach Ertz is going to play. That's not great. And yet, um, there are other names that are on the injury report that just make you think, is this some gamesmanship, Well, Bill Belichick? Real quick, <laughs> real, real quick, who was Cliff Kingsbury's coach in the NFL when he was there? Yeah, it's Bill, Bill Belichick. Belichick. Okay. Uh, here's, here's Cliff's update on Marcus Golden's status yesterday. It's going to be a game time deal. Um, we'll continue to progress him and hopefully Wednesday he can do something. Um, and he's a guy that if he even has limited practices, there'll, there'll be a role for him, but we'll see how it plays out. 
you know, I think of it's going to be a game time decision, and we all suspect it's the contract and not the toe. Yeah, right. Like we're all we're all in the dark. We're we're suspecting it's the contract, man, and not the toe. And if it is the contract, does that mean like a game time decision? There's an offer on the table. Are you going to yeah, sign that's, it? That's, what, that's how I took that. that I mean, <laughs> Somebody running down from the owner's box with some money for Marcus and being like, "Is this enough to get you on the field?" But Wolf, here's the thing: even if that happens, he hasn't played football in five and a half weeks at that point. Now, it's Marcus Golden. It's He'll Marcus be fine. Golden, yeah. But again, you're talking about the first quarter with a lot of guys yeah. that haven't played football against Patrick right. Mahomes. Yeah. Still want him out there. I'm still going to bet on the dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. You always bet on the dog. All right, we come back. Trey Lance, he's an unknown, right? He's maybe not being treated like an unknown. Why are the 49ers getting so much respect heading into week one? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We can finally start to really zero in on the NFC West. Um, you know, a lot of talk the last few years that the NFC West was the best division in football because it was. I think we would all objectively agree the AFC West should be the best division of football this year, at least on paper going in, when you add Russell Wilson and Chandler Jones. And I think it's important to say that, Luke, on paper going in, because we all know it is a year-to-year proposition in the NFL. But what I would say about the NFC West is the Rams did just win the Super Bowl. Yes, the Seahawks have dropped off, and that's why it's tough to say top to bottom this is going to be the best division of football because Seattle should not be very good this year. But I would say the other three teams, I think the other three teams are all making the playoffs. I think the Rams win the division. I think the 49ers and Cardinals both get in. I do. I think I think when you look around the NFC, if you think that's crazy, look at the rest of the NFC and then tell me which teams are getting in over them. So if you send three teams to the playoffs, that's still a pretty tough division. Yeah. You know, it, it's definitely a situation that could happen. I think we all understand that, and um, I'm with you on that. I think the Seattle Seahawks are probably going to be in the basement. I will tell you this, though, that I think Pete Carroll and the Seahawks are going to run it back. I I think they're going to go with a brand of football that is flat out shocking to a lot of people. (laughs) and I mean smash mouth. We'll see how it goes, but I think they're going to return to their roots, which is all about physicality. It's what's I would say starting Geno Smith in 2022 is already a shocking brand. To be honest. Yeah, no doubt. But uh, the San Francisco 49ers, the 49ers have been picked number three by NFL.com. I am shocked by that. What what is going speaking of being shocked? What is going on with that? I saw it this morning. NFL.com. Number three, the San Francisco 49ers. They had the Buffalo Bills rated number one, which again, I'd say, no, you know what? It's the Rams. Until you beat the Rams, it's the Rams. They won the Super Bowl last year. I'm just saying, going into this season, it'd be the Rams for me. Number one. The Bills, number two. I got no problem with that. The 49ers, number three. Uh, listen, their roster, I love their roster. Oh, it's it's loaded. Way to go, John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan. You got a beautiful depth chart. 
except one position says you're playing a guy who's got a serious lack of experience. And the question mark is big on that guy. It's not a guarantee he's going to go out and play well. He could go out and actually be your biggest liability. And yet you're going to look at a quarterback and you're going to say, this is the number two, this is the number three team in the league, even though the quarterback has everything to prove. Yeah, I mean, they are, I will give you that they have number three upside, I would say by like next year. If Trey Lance is everything that they believe he could be and he shows that and he evolves this year and, and a year from now we're like, no, he's he's the real deal. Then yeah, San Francisco's a top, they could be a top how, five how team. How many quarterbacks have we seen bust? Uh, quite a few. And okay. if, if you're telling me the only question with your team is quarterback and that still allows you to be number three, I mean, there's plenty of teams around the league that have a decent roster. You just don't know about quarterback. Pittsburgh has a decent roster. They just I don't know about their quarterback. New England, I would say, has a decent roster. I don't know about their quarterback. Not on the level of San Francisco, but they have New England 18th on this list. Yeah, I honestly, right now, I just Minnesota. am shocked by that. There are so many other teams out there. The Chargers, I think, are going to be a really good team. And they're ranked behind. They're ranked, uh, what about the Cincinnati Bengals? Oh, you're just talking about good teams that should be ahead of the 49ers. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Because like, they have Cleveland 22nd. What's my question with Cleveland? Quarterback. Everything quarterback. else looks fine. They have Cleveland 22nd. No, look, they have Cincinnati behind them. I'd have Green Bay ahead of them. I would have Kansas City ahead of them. I'd probably have Denver ahead of them. Yes, I, I definitely would too. Chargers, yeah. yes. Um, I think I think the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson as their quarterback, this is just me, I think they're a Super Bowl caliber team. Now you got to go prove it. We'll see it. They play in the toughest division in football. That's always going to be difficult. That'll be a negative, I think, for them because they are going to play in such a tough division. But, man, if you come out of that and you get into the postseason, you're going to be battle-tested coming from the AFC West. And if the Denver Broncos get in, they've got a guy who's already been there. They've got a guy who's already done that. they got a guy that I think can win a Super Bowl. No, we can. Any chance, and I think the Rams are going to win the division, but what's the path look like for the Rams not winning the division? Is it just injury? Is it, I mean, can you have a Super Bowl letdown? I've, I, who was it that we saw? It was oh, one yeah, of the McCordies no, that picked absolutely. the Cardinals to win the division. Yeah, you know, I, I would not do that. I, I wouldn't um, either. I would not do that, but um, I, I think they could be a playoff team. I think they could be a last team in at 9-8 and eight or 10-7, and seven, somewhere around there. I, I think that's what the Arizona Cardinals could be, a playoff team, a wild card team, getting in as the number 7 team. Yeah, I could easily see that. That, to me, I'll just tell you, Wolf, I'll just give you my playoff teams right now. You want them? Okay, I'll give yeah. you my play. Because I, I don't think... I think there are pessimistic Cardinals fans driving around right now that are like, why are you picking the Cardinals to make the playoffs? So I'll give you the seven playoff teams, and you tell me who is going to sneak into this okay. list, okay? I go Rams, yeah. Packers, yeah. Buccaneers, even though they are, I'm a little nervous about them not making the playoffs. Though. Brady, Brady, Brady. Uh, Eagles. Okay, I have Eagle, the Eagles. Eagles. I have the Eagles in. What the Eagles I, Well, look at that division. I, I, I know, but still, Jalen Hurts, there's a question mark at quarterback True. if you ask me. Um, probably not as big of a question mark though as Trey Lance, right? 
No, not as big as Trey Lance, but it's, you know, again, um, how much better is Jalen Hurts going to get? Well, okay, but you're in a division with Washington and the Giants, so that's part of it. So then I have Dallas, I have San Francisco, and I have the Cardinals. You could, hey, you could lose every other game outside of your division as well. You could. Um, I think we've seen that happen in that division before. I'm just saying, I I don't think the the Eagles, I see a lot of love for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm wondering why that is. So of those seven teams... It seems like you have a bigger issue with Philadelphia than Arizona. So now you got to find another team that's actually going to make the playoffs in the NFC. Yeah, that's going to be rough right there. See, but you've been talking about this all off season. The NFC is not jammed up. It really isn't. It isn't. You've got, I mean, like Seattle's not making the playoffs. Chicago's not making the playoffs. The Giants aren't making the playoffs. Like, I feel like you can write those three teams off pretty as comfortably as you can ever write an NFL team off before the start of the season. Because I get it. There's always going to be one or two that surprises people. But I feel pretty confident Seattle, Chicago, and the Giants aren't making the playoffs. Seattle in this division isn't making the playoffs. Seattle, I hope not. I guess, you know, seriously. Yeah. That would just that'd be that would rough be right there for yeah, the 12. You don't even season. want to make the playoffs. I mean, uh, could you imagine there's Pete Carroll walking around chewing his gum yeah, up I can and imagine down the sideline? Somehow the Seattle Seahawks get into the postseason. They're they're running this brand of football that is physical and brutal and bloody. Okay, that yeah, might I, be so bad. I mean, no, it would. We don't, need, we don't need Seattle making the playoffs without a quarterback. If you're Seattle, just go ahead. Don't make the playoffs. You go get C.J. Stroud, except mess up the draft pick and don't get him either. But don't make the playoffs this year. The point is, those middle-tier teams that if you don't think the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs, those mid-tier teams that are going to have to jump in and get over them are like Atlanta, Carolina, yeah. Detroit. Mm. I mean, the Cardinals should find a way to make the playoffs, assuming health. But then that just brings us back to where we've been all show, Wolf. Half the roster has marks next to the names going into week one. I don't understand how we're at that point. You know, it's just, seriously, I was just getting hopeful and then all of a sudden crashed. (laughs) Came down, metaphorically speaking, and blew up right there. You know, honestly, um, I'd love to say I think it's important for the Arizona Cardinals to get off to a good start. Uh, I honestly want to say that, yet everything inside of me says don't. (laughs) Yeah, how about a good finish? I'd prefer a good finish. Don't say it. Everything inside me. You know what I want to see? I want to see the Arizona Cardinals struggle. If, in fact, they were going to struggle at all. If there's going to be struggle, I'd like to see them struggle in the beginning, the early part of the season. And then all of a sudden, here they come, ramping it up into November and December and peaking at playoff time and getting in, of course, because that's what it's all about. You got to get in. You get in, of course, now you can make noise. Now it's about how are you playing at that point of the season? How are you playing in January? What a weird thing to say when you know you're talking about the regular season. January. Uh, Their schedule, the Cardinals' schedule, is very compartmentalized this year in the sense that you start Chiefs, Raiders, Rams. Okay, that's 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 tough. Tough start. Then after that, you go Panthers, Eagles, Seahawks, Saints, Vikings, Seahawks. Now, I mean, I'm not saying you should go six and zero there, but that that is your stretch from October second to November ninth to make up some ground in this division. November sixth. Then, because after that, you go Rams, Niners, Chargers, bye week, Patriots, Broncos, Buccaneers. That's another pretty brutal schedule. And then you close with Atlanta, and then you get San Francisco again. And, you know, the downside, you're done with the Seahawks, 
by November 6th, you're done with the Rams by November 13th. You don't even start with the 49ers until November 21st in Mexico City. Give me that tough stretch again. The the second yeah, one? Yeah, give me that. The second one starting November 13th is Rams, Niners, Chargers, Patriots, Broncos, Buccaneers. <gasps> oh, that's like being on the walls of Thermopylae uh, with 299 other guys. I was thinking. Looking out over the Persians. It, th- it actually says uh, Thermopylae on the schedule I'm looking at. Are you I, serious? I didn't know why. No. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what Thermopylae is. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the walls of Thermopylae. Of course you know what it sounds is. Sounds like a Pink Floyd song. Okay. No, those we'll six, talk. though, that that is a stretch you're, you're right late. there. That is, okay. well, I had, I had a brilliant point I was going to make. You and didn't then know it got the derailed. walls of Thermopylae? Uh, well, oh, my during the break. We come back. Just how impressive has Zach Gallen been? Pretty impressive. We've talked D-backs a few times. We've barely even gotten into what he is doing right now. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Spartans. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, it is the Wolf and Luke Show here on a Tuesday afternoon. Wolf, there may not be a greater illustration of how crazy things have gotten with the D-backs lately than the fact that we've talked about him a few times on the show today. And we have mentioned Zach Gallon. We've talked about Zach Gallon, but it's not just instantly the top story, even though maybe it should be, because there are so many other storylines with this team right now. Yeah, no. Loaded. Uh, but we are seeing history with Zach Gallen, and there's this quote from uh, MLB.com. It's the eighth longest, his streak right now, he's gone 41 and a third scoreless innings. It's the eighth longest in the live ball era, which is since 1920, so we're going over 100 years. He's the fourth pitcher in the modern era since 1900 to throw six or more scoreless innings in six straight starts, which is impressive as that is, that's kind of surprising to me. That's only happened four times in the last 122 years. But he joins Don Drysdale, Oral Hershiser, and Zach Greinke as the only three that have done it. Now he's the fourth. And it got interesting on Sunday because his pitch count was a little bit higher than it was his previous start. But you did get the feeling they almost wanted to run him out there for the eighth inning because they weren't touching him at that point in the yeah. game. And now, to keep the streak going, he's gonna he's, he needs two-thirds of an inning to tie Brandon Webb, a full inning to pass Brandon Webb, number one on the all-time franchise list. And he is at 41 and a third. The all-time major league record is 59 by Oral Hershiser. But to pass Brandon Webb, he's got to start over <clears throat> cold, and he's got to do it in course Field in his next start. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a problem. That's not a That's, problem for him, but it makes right. it harder. Yeah, it, it certainly makes it harder, no doubt. What we're seeing from Zach Allen right now, um, this is what an ace does, right? An ace at one point in time in his career is going to go off and suddenly be in such a groove that you're going to look up and there's going to be 41 and a third innings. He has not given up a run. Scoreless 41 and a third innings right now. It's what every ace will do. They'll go on a run from time to time. When they're feeling right, when they're in the groove, this is what you get. You get these kind of results that we're seeing right now. We've all known or believed that Zach Gallen was going to be an ace, but we've never seen anything like this. We've never seen him rip it off to this degree. 41 and a third scoreless we really haven't baseball. Seen many, this many is what an ace do does. His career record coming into this season, well, for as much as, like you said, we all expected him to become an ace. His career record in the majors was 10 and 18. 
That was his career record. But we all know anyone who's watched it, yeah. he hasn't got a ton of support no, either. No, he hadn't gotten any. No, right. And he has been a little, as of last year, of course, and, you know, again, coming out of the pandemic and going into the pandemic and all of that, uh, it's kind, you kind of just flush yeah. is what you do on And stuff that's when like his that. career was starting. Right. He just kind of flush. But this is what we all thought he had in him. And what I love about it, we were talking about this earlier, it's just not the physical. It's just not the, the physical talent, the skills, the ability he's been blessed with. It's also body, soul, and spirit, man. It is, it is about how you think, your spirit, your brain. It's about your soul that is inside you, your emotional being as well. He's got everything that it takes to be an ace, and he's proving it right now. Here's Tori Lovello Sunday talking about Zach Gallon and how he spoils us. Yeah, this was this was another um, another day for Zach. Um, he goes out there and executes at, uh, at, at a very high level and, and throws up seven more zeros. So, um, you know, he he spoils us, uh, but it's because he's working his butt off. It's because he's executing. It's because of the four four five days in between starts that he is studying, working to make good things happen. It's not by accident that he's he's on this tremendous run. It is not. It's so funny, too, because I'm looking at this. You already mentioned it. Would you say Don Drysdale gets people's attention when you say that name right there? Decent pitcher. Oral Hershiser. Pretty good. Zach Granke. You know what I mean? This is is the company that this kid has the talent for. This is where he belongs. But think about that stat. The, the just the fourth player, fourth pitcher in the modern era. Think of every great pitcher ever, right? Zach Gallen is only the fourth one to throw six or more scoreless innings in six straight starts. Again, it's it's amazing. But I mean, any any pitcher all time that you think of, and he is one of just four to do it. And then in that game, Wolf. Okay, so you have him pitching well. So that's great. You're talking about a player on your team that's chasing history now when you start to bring Oral Hershiser's streak into the conversation. John Drysdale. But then in that game, you had Dalton Varsho with one of the RBI, D-backs 1-5-1. Uh, Jake McCarthy drove in three more. Alec Thomas drove in the, the fifth one. So right there, there's What's uh, your point? there's two rookies and a and a player that's been in the league for one year in Dalton Varsho prior to this. They drive in all the runs. So yeah, you're looking at history, but you're also looking at the future as well. And then you get to yesterday's game. And it gets even crazier, honestly, because Ryan Nelson makes his Major League debut at Petco Park against a desperate Padres team that is very talented, and he proceeds to throw seven scoreless innings. Here's Tori Lovello on Ryan Nelson's debut. I'm aligned with him. I think the whole team is. I think this whole organization is, and we're proud of him. We're proud of him for coming in here and, and slowing the game down and executing um, pitches. And I talked to you pregame, right? There's small concerns and um, with the lineup that he had to face, but he eliminated that quickly. You could tell he was on the attack, and he did a great job. Everything everything worked out really well for him, and that early test got him through um, that probably that nervousness that, that pushed him through the rest of the game. This particular situation wasn't learned today. It's something that he's been probably picking up and bits and pieces through player development. So he went to all of his resources, and he just slowed the game down and executed. Um, yeah, my heart was beating a little bit for him. I'm not going to lie. And I think the whole dugout felt the same way, but it was about him making a pitch when he had to. 
So let's just say, okay, you're going to make your Major League Baseball debut. Let's say we're going to do that. Um, Think about this. He became only the second pitcher since 1901 with seven-plus scoreless innings pitched, Mm -hmm. seven-plus strikeouts, and zero walks in his Major League Baseball debut. (laughs) Think about that right now. He became only the second pitcher since 1901. Man, I you know I I wonder what he thinks about when he hears that. Honestly, I'm sure Ryan I'm sure Ryan Nelson always felt like he had the skill, had the ability, had the talent um, to not only get to the bigs but of course thrive when he got there. I'm sure that he felt that way, but to that degree to in your debut, it. yeah. And to give up a double to the first batter you face, <laughs> right. and then to set down the next seventeen batters in Oof. a row, it, it's we just read off two different stats about Man. two different pitchers on the Diamondbacks, Wolf, that both date back to nineteen hundred, and pitching hasn't even been the story of this run real. I mean, it is. Gallons, obviously. But for the most part, when people talk about the D-backs, they're like, hey, is Corbin Carroll in the lineup? How's Alec Thomas doing? What's uh, Dalton Varsha made a great play to save a run the other day. Otherwise, the streak might be over. Stone Garrett? Jake McCarthy. Oh, man. But we're talking about pitchers that are doing stuff that hasn't been done in over 100 years. I know. And what I loved about it, too, it was against a good team like the Padres. It wasn't like he was doing it against the Pirates. It was the Padres, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the, in, in their building, a game that the Padres need to have. And <laughs> D-backs get a rookie pitcher to step in in his first ever start and do that. All right. When we come back, we'll talk to Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury. He will join us here in studio to talk about week one and the upcoming season. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Your home for everything Cardinals. Everything Cardinals. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. In the red zone with Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Presented by Earnhardt Hyundai and Ford dealers. No bowl since 1951. All right, here we go. Start of the uh, 2022 NFL season. And uh, joining us this year, as he did last year, is Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Something we look forward to every week after the games. Uh, coach, thanks for thanks for stopping by here, obviously, today. What, uh, what's your confidence level here coming out now that you got just not, not so much in what's going to happen on, on Sunday's game, but just that you got everything you wanted out of training camp in the preseason? Yeah, I like the progress that I, that I saw. There's no doubt. Um, guys got better. Uh, they needed to get better. The, the experienced guys um, came out healthy for the most part. You know, there's a few guys that, that are nicked up that we'd like to get back, but um, really, really pleased with, with how it went. Yeah, can you give us the state of the team offensively and defensively right now, Cliff, with you know some of the guys that are banged up and nicked up? How concerned are you going into week one? There's quite a few um, game time decisions, more than you'd like, there's no question, but uh, a lot of those guys are veteran players that we know know what to do, know how to play, um, know how to handle the business. So hopefully, if they can go on Sunday, they'll go and play at a high level. Uh, playing a team like the Chiefs, obviously, that's a pretty tough opponent. You're very familiar with Patrick Mahomes. The uncertainty that you're talking about right there with, with guys uh, being available or not, are you concerned at all about that because of who the opponent is? Yeah, I mean, if it was anybody, I would be, but particularly yeah. some of the areas that... Um, we're struggling with with some depth, uh, no doubt. When you're talking about corner, um, and we'll see 
where we're at, uh, at outside linebacker, but that that uh, is two areas where you need to get pressure. And you got to be able to cover versus this guy, and, and um, that could definitely pose quite a challenge. Cliff, what is it about Patrick Mahomes that nobody talks enough about, in your opinion? How cerebral he is as a player. I think he gets um, a lot of credit, and rightfully so, for the, the playmaking ability, the off-schedule plays that he makes, the sidearm throws, all those things that are unique to him and, and spectacular. But he's so good at pre-snap recognition. He's so good at um, getting them in the right play and, and recognizing defenses and going to the right spot with the ball. And then, you know, unfortunately for us, he has that, that <laughs> second phase that he can get into when the play is covered and, and go create on his own. Was he always like that, even in college? He was, yeah. I mean, we walk it through one time, and even as a true freshman when he started playing, um, he would he would nail it, and he could make it look easy. And, and when the ball was supposed to go to the this place, it would go there, and um, has always just had a great feel for the game. Cliff Kingsbury joining us uh, right now. Cliff, we've talked a lot about Isaiah Simmons. I'm sure you've been asked a lot about him, too. But one of the things that keeps coming up is he moves all over the field on defense. He, he may very well have a, a handful of, of dealing with Travis Kelsey. He's also got the green dot. And so we were talking earlier about how much confidence that shows from you and your coaching staff in Isaiah Simmons. Is that fair? He's made a lot of, a lot of strides. There's no doubt. Um, it, it helps both parties. I think um, for him, it, it shows that we have that trust and, and getting the call to the right people and making sure we get the adjustments we need. And then it, it helps VJ um, be able to talk him through some things pre-snap, which I love to do with the quarterbacks. And, and that allows him to, to talk uh, through some things with Isaiah and any tips or reminders he needs prior to that snap, he can try to get those into him. Cliff, would you give us a scouting report on Steve Spagnola at all? Would you give us anything at all on his defense and what he actually is going to play? What do you expect him to do? Yeah, he's, he's been you know very successful every stop he's had. Uh, you can tell those guys played really hard for him, whoever he has in there. Uh, a lot of new faces on defense this year, but they played great in the preseason. And you know He'll try to keep things in front of him at times, but when the money's on the line, he's, he's going to bring some pressures, and he has a bunch of exotic pressures that, that he does a great job with. And um, just really impressed with, with how his career has been in the NFL and all the things he's accomplished. Do you did you expect in any way to, to be keeping five running backs out of camp like when when camp started because a year ago at this time I mean I feel like the running game not that it was a question but it just feels a lot deeper this year. We did not yeah we did not uh, we thought it would shake out differently I, I think but all those guys earned it all those guys came in and, and did a tremendous job um, throughout camp and and we felt like w- with how that's gone at that position the last couple of years here that that having that type of numbers was, was good for us and uh, we didn't want to give any guy up and, and uh, just worked out that way. You know, I, I looked at that, Cliff, and I thought, my goodness, five running backs. I was telling Pash, there's no way, David, we're going to keep five running no backs. No fullbacks. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you <laughs> No, that. I know that. I saw you got, yeah, you actually acquired one and then unfortunately <laughs> it was gone the next day. But having said that, five running backs, Cliff, and four tight ends. <laughs> hey, Cliff, uh, yeah, t- this is the run rate? What is this? What is <laughs> going on here yeah you gotta evolve man you gotta gotta adapt and evolve um yeah it's just like i said it, it's how it played out uh, all those guys earned it in, in those spots and and um we'll, we'll find ways to maximize them you know where do you think you need to get better as an offense like what part of the field do you think you really need to get better on yeah, we, we struggled down there close um i think we we're like 29th in goal to go situation so i thought we moved the ball well uh a lot of the year just once we got down there instead of kicking those field goals as you know you got to score a touchdown 
touchdowns when you want to play deep into the playoffs and um, that was kind of our Achilles heel and then uh, you know third and medium situations as well we were really good on third and long but third and medium the precision pass game uh, we got to have better plans and we got to execute at a higher level I don't know how much of an answer you can give me on this especially because we don't know if he's even playing in week one but when you don't have DeAndre Hopkins to start this year how much does Zach Ertz help you continue to to be successful on offense Zach was a tremendous get for us last year there's no doubt um, and I think it's just going to get better and better with the comfort level he now has in our system he, he's one of the smartest players I've been around him mean, he knows everybody's route you know he knows the quarterback's reads which is unfortunate for me at times <laughs> he knows when the ball should be going to him um, but he he has been tremendous and, and you, you said it when you lose a, a playmaker like Hop to have a guy like, like Zach and then bring in the speed like we did on the outside with, with Hollywood I think that that can help to offset a loss like Hop but it's really hard to replace a guy like that you know there's an old adage in the NFL I'm sure you know this but your offensive line needs to be good enough to allow your talent to do what your talent does um, it doesn't need to be the best offensive line in the NFL certainly don't want it to be the worst you need it to be good enough to let your talent do what it does talk about your offensive line just a little bit and Rodney Hudson in particular if you don't mind Cliff it's, it's gotten better each year since I've been here and that's a credit to Coach Kugler and, and Coach Natkin that work with that group. And um, luckily, we've been able to keep a lot of those pieces in place. And, and you know, you got Beach and, and Hump and, and Pew all coming back, and, and Rodney, um, a healthy Rodney, who when he was healthy last year, you saw what we were doing offensively. And yeah. tremendous player and, and brings physicality and, and brings leadership and all those things you want. And then uh, adding Cody Ford and Will Hernandez, two physical inside players that we think will help us in the run game. Uh, excited about that group. I think it's it can be good. You've got to stay healthy, but I think you'd be a really good group. So Zach Ertz knows where the ball is supposed to go, and Kyler knows how to call plays now. So this is this is what you're dealing yeah, with. Yeah, good luck with me. And there's like <laughs> a lot of receivers that want the ball, and a running back that wants the ball every time it gets close to the goal line. So yeah, I, I will have a stressful Sunday. But it's a good problem to have. You, you'd rather have a lot of good players that want the ball than, than not many that don't. So yeah. we'll take it. How good is Chris Jones when you watch him on tape? How good is he, Cliff? He's he's dominant. I mean, he he. Probably Probably doesn't get the um, credit he deserves because their offense is so good, and a lot of the you know star power goes to that side of the ball. But but he is anytime he wants to dominate a game, it seems like he does. Similar to the guy we have in our division, I mean, yeah. he, he he makes it go for them on defense. And when when he gets hot, he's hard to slow down. Cliff, last one for you. What uh, what are you looking for from your quarterback here in year four now for him? Just continue to uh, to progress like we have. I think the big deal now is finishing um, strong. You know, it's a long season and. Um, however it goes, that last month is what's going to decide you know, whether you play deep into the playoffs or not. And I think that's where we've all um, not played as well and coached as well as we would have liked. And, and we got to grow together and be better in, in that phase. But he's done everything you can to this point. When, when you look at where this organization has come from, what he's done uh, win-wise, stats-wise, all those things. And, and now we're just hoping we can take the next step and, and play into the playoffs. Thanks, Cliff. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, yes, see you in a bit, man. Appreciate y'all. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see Wolf in like 10 minutes. Yeah, right, right. Oh, right. He's like, oh, no, no. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. Cliff Kingsbury joining us right there ahead of uh, week one's matchup with with the Kansas City Chiefs. And, uh, you know, Wolf, we've talked about it. You probably didn't go into camp 
expecting to keep five running backs, but he just said it right there. We didn't want to let any of them go. I know, I know, you know, but again, for the record, he did admit, of course not. We we were not thinking of keeping five running backs. But what are you going to do? Well, you can't. At that point in time, it's, it's all about transition. It's all about the special teams, who's going to play and who isn't. You have to think Keontae Ingram is probably on this team because he can already play special teams. Totally. Yeah. And a good football player through and through. When you think of Keontae Ingram, man, um, that was another guy. If if I had to pick a guy that stood out in the preseason games, uh, we all know Greg Dorch did that. We all know Andy Isabella did that. We all know that uh, McSorley looked really, really good. But to me, too, it was Keontae Ingram. All right. That's it for us. Thanks to everybody out here at Cardinals for hooking us up today. Thanks to Aaron Malone. Jesse Morrison, Lauren Koval for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. You've been listening to In the Red Zone with Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Presented by Earnhardt Hyundai and Ford dealers. No bowl since 1951. Your home for everything Cardinals. 98.7 FM Arizona's Sports Station.